Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Super Retriever Series Behind the Line podcast. Hey everybody, I'm your host, David Hamilton, and today we have a great guest with us, Cole Scott. He was one of the competitors in our inaugural Super Retriever Series University competition last year. And we're excited to have Cole here on the show with us today to talk about his experience in retriever trials, the SRSU, and just getting to know more about this young up-and-coming handler. Cole, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, David. Now, as I mentioned a second ago, you were one of the competitors in our, in our inaugural SRS University competition last year where... A lot of the top dog and handler teams from across the college ranks compete against one another. And, of course, our SRSU event is uh, coming up again this year uh, at Pepper's Pond in Mayflower, Arkansas, next month. So we thought it'd be a great time to talk to you, Cole. And uh, I know last year you had a lot of uh, fun competing in that competition, but uh, you're not new to this game. You've been around dogs and, and field trials your whole life. I know you and your dad uh, trained some dogs in your childhood. So tell us about that and how you got started in this. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up with short hairs, uh, Vishla's primarily. Uh, my dad, Dale, um, you know, he he got me into hunting at a really early age. So um, he kind of got me into pointers and it was just the perfect thing for a little eight-year-old kid to be able to load the shotgun right when the dog went up on point and get my first pheasant and several other after that. Um, but yeah, my dad actually grew up with retrievers, um, trained with a pretty popular trainer, Joe Vampola here in Omaha or right around Omaha and um, when I was born I was actually allergic to dogs so um, the best thing for us to get was short hairs or hypoallergenic dogs for me but uh, growing up you know I just always wanted a retriever my mom said not until you're out of the house so as soon as I went to college uh, I got my first retriever okay a couple follow-up questions here for you number one um how did you uh what what from the experiences with the with the short hairs what have you taken from from those experiences that have helped you with your retriever training but but also first question 
Wait, you were allergic to dogs as a kid? Does that something you overcome? Like, are you no longer allergic to dogs? Um, I'm still a little bit allergic, uh, but not as bad as I used to be when I was a kid. When I was a kid, as soon as I got around a lab or any dog that, you know, just shed a lot, it was miserable. My eyes would puff up. I'd start crying. It was horrible. But that's slowly something to overcome it. So, Yeah, labor of love for sure there if it's exactly. uh, something you're actually allergic to but still enjoy. So, yeah, second question there. Like I said, uh, what are some of the things you learned from the pointers that you now use uh, with the retrievers? And, and what's the difference in, in training the two dogs? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a tough question. But when I was, you know, when I was a kid, a lot of it was just watching my dad, you know, and just kind of seeing how they handle with, you know, the patience and everything else that comes with training any kind of dog. Um, I learned a lot of that from my dad where, you know, the the quicker the fuse you have, the the less training you're going to get done with your dog. So um, patience was probably the primary thing. Um, but the pointers transitioned right over into uh, retrievers, definitely. Um, you know, just the, the hunting drive and, you know, being able to pick those kind of things out and focus on one thing at a time really definitely helped. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, you said your mom wouldn't let you get a retriever till you were out of the house. Uh, was your first retriever the dog that you have now, Sheba? Yep, Sheba was my first one. I got her uh, right after my freshman year of college. Um, she lived in the fraternity house with me for a while. And uh, then that next few years, I moved out of the fraternity house into a little college house and lived with me there. So Yeah, and I understand you've been involved with her training since the beginning, right? Yep, yep. So... Uh, my initial plan was actually to send her off to a good buddy of mine, Andy Mink, at Complete Retrievers. Um, and, you know, poor college kid, I needed a job too. So he had her for about two weeks. And then I think I just missed her so bad that he said, hey, why don't you come out and just, I'll teach you how to train her. And you can uh, you can um, come out and help me throw bumpers and do whatever else. So Andy kind of walked me through that whole process, taught me the differences between you know, training a pointer and training a retriever. And, um, I learned a lot from him. So what's that journey been like training her and then also having her kind of there with you as an important part of your life, you know, living, living in the house with you, uh, during your college years. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I first got a lab, I really just wanted a, a hunting dog, a companion, you know? Um, and then once I saw the potential that she had, it was, um, it was just, always in the back of my head that I wanted to try these hunt tests, these field trials that, you know, my dad had done when I was a kid. And, um, once she got to a level that I was, you know, satisfied with, I said, well, why don't I try to push her a little bit harder? And, um, the more I pushed her, the, the more I realized how biddable she was and how easy she was to train. And, um, you know, that, that journey of the field trials and the SRS kind of started from there. Yeah, so it looks like you originally, like you said, kind of wanted her for the utility purposes, but then actually saw the sport angle of it as well. So interested to know, were you ever an athlete in, you know, growing up or do you still play sports now competitively? And and if so, how do those past experiences help you uh, working with her since she's an athlete in these events? Yeah, so I always tell people my sister always had the real athletic side of the family. Um, you know, she was kind of a star volleyball player, star soccer player. I played baseball and I played golf a little bit. Um, wasn't a huge athlete, but I always was really good at retaining the information that I learned. And so, um, 
just from watching and listening and reading books on dog training and stuff, I was always good at retaining that information and kind of using the dog as, you know, my athlete. So, um, more of a coach than an athlete in that aspect. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a good analogy. Um, what's her personality like and, and, you know, how have y'all grown together over the years as dog and handler? Oh, she was a psycho. You know, she's only, she's only about three, but, um, she's, she's a little nutcase, you know, she's, uh, she's just, she's such a smart dog. Um, but she just has the coolest attitude in the house. She just wants to lay there on your chest. And once we get out in the field or, um, out to go train, she's just a, she's just a nutcase. But when, when time comes to train, she, uh, she locks in. She's, she's really good about that. With her being so young, do you feel like there's still a lot that she could learn in her training or do you think she's starting to to reach her full potential or is there still some area to grow there? I think there's a lot of area to grow. Um, you know, even last year at SRSU, we had never seen a, a quadruple or anything for marks. And uh, we went out there and, you know, she was bobbing like a bobber in the water. I mean, she was, she was jumping all over. She was excited. But just, you know, through the three or four events that we ran and then going to the crown the next year or that uh, in, uh, in September, I just saw such a transition there. You know, she was way more steady. She, she marked so much better. Um, you know, she just grew so much. And then, you know, I, I hunted her a few times this year, not a ton, but uh, then we transitioned into, you know, spring training and summer training now. And um, she has grown so much over the last, you know, eight months, nine months. So I'm really excited for this summer and this fall to see what, what she can do. Yeah. Imagine, um, you know, and, and on this podcast series, we always try to a day or two before we interview our guests, we kind of, we put it up there and ask some of our Facebook followers if they have any questions. And I think based on your answer, I think this is the perfect part to, to get an answer to one of those questions. We had a question on Facebook from Hunter Lamar about, you know, what are your dog's strengths and weaknesses and how do you overcome those weaknesses? So as you're, as you're continuing to train with Sheba and you're starting to see, okay, she's good at this. Okay. She still needs some improvement here. How do you work with her to improve in those areas that maybe she's not as strong at? Yeah. So she's only, you know, she's only 50 pounds and she's extreme, she's lightning fast. So when I get her on land, it's, you know, it doesn't take much to lose her, whether I'm handling on her a blind or if I got to handle her on a mark, you know, if I give her a leftover and she takes it a little too strong or left back and she gets behind a tree, she's quick to lose. So, um, I did see Hunter's question. Um, and, uh, one thing that, you know, I always really try to hone in on in training and everything is, is, just being perfect in the water, you know, a good dog is a wet dog and, uh, you know, I can handle the dog and it's really tough to lose them when they're in the water. So, uh, we try to do the best that we can on water and generally that translates, um, really well over to land. So. Now you mentioned a few minutes ago, you also try to read as much as you can. So is it more learning from others? Uh, do you find that more beneficial, you know, talking to other handlers or, or reading books or reading online or is the hands-on experience with your specific dog more value to you or is it kind of 50-50? I'd say it's, you know, it's pretty 50-50. Um, I've been fortunate enough, as, and this was just a connection that I got through SRSU. Um, you know, Lyle Steinman has been really good to me. He kind of brought me in um, and became my mentor. But he, uh, you know, anytime I have a question or, you know, if I'm free for a weekend, he, he has, says, come on down, you know, train with, train with us. And so I learned a ton of stuff from him. But you know, growing up, I watched all the Bill Hillman videos. I read the Mike Lardy books. Um, 
I, I follow Evan Graham on Facebook and I listen to just about everything he says. So I just like to retain um, all that information that I can and um, see what works best for, for my dogs. So. Yeah, no, it's always great to to learn from the legends and especially here in our SRS game. There's nobody probably better to learn from than Lyle. So speaking about SRS, you, um, were you familiar with the SRS before that? Or if not, like, how'd you find out about that event and how'd you get signed up? Oh, yeah. I remember when I was, gosh, 2002, 2003, 2004, I was just, you know, kindergarten, first grade. But like I said, growing up, I always wanted a retriever. And I remember watching the great outdoor games on ESPN like it was yesterday and um, watching the SRS and watching it just throughout my childhood. Um, and even with the pointers and the pointing labs, the bird dog circuit, I always watched that. Uh, you know, I've always been very familiar with, with the SRS and, um, you know, and that's, that's one thing that I tell a lot of, uh, younger kids who want to run the SRSU is, you know, go on YouTube, watch those setups, um, that they're throwing in, you know, even in the crown and stuff like that, you know, you can always simplify the concept, just go out and run it, you know, see what, see what it's like. So. Yeah, and, and that brings up a good point, too, because a few minutes ago you mentioned that, that at the Crown or either SRSU, I can't remember which one you said, but one of the two, it was the first time that you and Sheba had ever seen a quad. So, you know, what, what's that like for you as you go up there and you know, okay, I'm facing something that, that me and this dog have never done together, and it's our first experience doing it. So are you nervous in that moment, or are you just trying to figure out what's the best approach, or, or how do you handle that mentally? Yeah, so I try to, try to find first my dog's strength, so – you know, one mark at a time and, um, you know, just try to hone in on, you know, what your dog can do best. So, you know, if I got to run the outside mark first to keep her confidence up, if I think I'm going to have to handle her on the third or fourth mark, um, you know, that's, that's going to kill her memory a little bit and that's going to kill her confidence a little bit. So I always try to knock out, um, what I think we're going to do best first. Yeah. And so, um, what was that experience like for you at the crown or let's actually take a step back. Let's go to the SRSU first. What was that experience like for you? You're, you're analyzing the situation, you know, you get up there, there's various different tests and was it anything like you expected? Was it easier? Was it harder? Honestly, it was, it was definitely harder than I thought. Um, you know, going in, they, uh, they had told us that, you know, senior level dogs and up. And so I thought, well, you know, my dog's definitely senior level or up and, uh, we got there and it was a little tougher than a senior level dog could definitely handle. And so, um, I was nervous, very nervous going to the line. Luckily in the first series of the SRSU, um, my partner, Amanda and Nikki, they did awesome. And Sheba and I did awesome in the first series. So we had a little confidence going into the rest of the, um, rest of the series. What were your thoughts on that whole layout with having, like you said, a partner and a, another, you know, dog and handler team there? And what was the camaraderie like and just the atmosphere at that SRSU event? It was awesome. Uh, you know, with the other kids at first, it was a little, um, it was hard to get people out of their shell. But right after that first series, kids are going up congratulating each other, um, you know, just continuing to talk to each other and encourage each other. Hey, you know, nice mark. Your dog had a great blind there. Um, and the camaraderie and the, you know, the team chemistry built before the second series even started. Um, so yeah, the team layout was awesome. Uh, you know, I love the team aspect where you have to rely on, um, rely on your teammate or your teammate has to rely on you. So that was a lot of fun. I just kind of like the old four by four medleys that, um, the SRS used to run. So. 
Oh, yeah. Very familiar with those. I think we did one. I actually uh, hosted one on TV. I think it was back 2012 where we did one, where it yeah. was the, the four by four. Yeah, those were great. Uh, love yeah, that we used to do some of those. Tons of fun. Um, where do you think SRSU is going? I mean, I know that we have our second annual event uh, coming up here uh, roughly a month, a month from today uh, in Mayflower, Arkansas. So where do you see this sport evolving, especially for the university and, and high school level uh, competitors? And, and what would you like to see happen with SRSU? Well, I got to say, you know, even when I just started hunting back when I first got Sheba, it was just me and maybe one other buddy that even had dogs. and. Um, Ever since then, it seems like, you know, every kid that hunts has a lab. And so, you know, anybody can get into this. Um, and I have started to see that, you know, more kids are starting to show up and, you know, whether it's a started test at an HRC or uh, a master test at an AKC, you know, I just seen a lot more kids start to run them. So I think it's going to excel. I really, I really think it will. Obviously, like anything, it's going to take a couple of years. Um but I've seen a lot more traffic than we even saw last year. So I think we had 14 competitors last year, 14 or 15 competitors last year. Um, hopefully we can double, maybe even triple that number this year. And what advice would you give someone, you know, if they were interested in getting into the retriever sports? Yeah. Um, you know, study, study, study. Um, you know, it's a lot easier than studying your high school textbook or your college textbook. Just, whether you're watching an SRS video online or, um, you know, calling a pro and just reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, what drills can I be running Here's for, here's what my dog's at. Um, you know, when I was starting, that's how I started just calling pros and talking to them at, um, hunt tests. And, you know, next thing you know, those guys are inviting you out to train with them. And that's where you learn a ton. Um, you know, loud did that for me, you know, right before SRS, he said, Hey, why don't you come down a couple of times and train with us? And, I sure did. And I can't tell you how much you learned just, just sitting there watching their dogs. Yeah. How invaluable is that? Not just the advice that Lyle gave you, but any other advice you got that weekend with the SRSU, with the other handlers that were there? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you get to see how, how everybody else runs. Everybody exchanges, exchanges advice. Um, you know, um, everything from pointers to even just talking to the other pros there, you know, you had Steven Durance there as well. Um, you know, it, those guys love answering questions. So the more you can talk to them, or even if you bring up an old memory that, you know, you had seen on YouTube, because a lot of those guys don't watch themselves on YouTube. So, um, you know, if I can talk to, uh, if I can talk to any of those guys about, Hey, I, I, I love that video of Coot and Jack, or, you know, I love that video of Steven and Steven and dude winning in 2016 or 17. Um, you know, that kind of stuff goes a long way. So, Yeah. And so do you think that kind of advice is going to help prepare you maybe as you move forward in competing as an amateur or maybe someday even as a, as a pro? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, even just sitting there re retaining the information of watching how they handle a dog, you know, how methodical it is and, um, you know, how well they keep their patience. Um, you know, in my first two series of SRSU and even at the crown, um, when I handled my dog, I noticed I was kind of jumping around and I was talking to Clark Kennington and kind of watched him and I watched how methodical he is with his handling and, um, just using, you know, how he handles over the last couple of years. And that wasn't even me asking him. That was just me watching, um, has completely changed, um, how well my dogs handle. So, 
uh, that advice goes a long way or just uh, seeing that stuff goes a long way. You mentioned the crown. Let's talk about that experience. I mean, it's one yeah. thing to compete in the SRSU against your contemporaries, other you know college students, but then to get the opportunity to qualify for the crown championship. Um, first of all, what was going through your mind when you qualified for the crown? And then when you got there uh, to Natchez last year, just uh, what was that whole experience like for you uh, being able to compete at that level? Gosh, that was an absolute dream. I mean, like I said, I, I grew up watching the SRS and know watching these guys compete at that level and um it was so cool when you know i had talked to shannon after the srsu and you know top three got to go to the crown and uh amanda steinman and i had placed fourth so i was a little um you know a little down in the dumps there after we got fourth but uh i realized you know hey i still got my points why don't i you know rather than pouting about it why don't i go try to actually qualify and so i went up to minnesota and um had a pretty rough week uh, i had lost my buddy like the day before and so went up and kind of just put a smile on my face and went up and ran and got fourth place and it was it was that qualified me for the crown so it was awesome it was so cool so um night before you are at the crown did you get any sleep at all <laughs> or were you just so nervous that night before that you just kind of laid there in bed Honestly, I got a ton of sleep. Lyle and I actually went down on Monday uh, before the crown and we trained hard, you know, Monday to Monday to Wednesday. Um, and it was so hot and humid that you just got home and all you could think about was crashing. And so honestly, yeah, I did sleep pretty good. But the nerves, man, I was I was so nervous. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Did that impact you at the line, or do you think once you and were you only nervous as you approached the line, and then when you got there, you're like, okay, it's go time, not not time to be nervous anymore. You know, any any time I go to the line, whether I'm running a started test or finished test or a, a qual or an SRS, you know, I always get butterflies. Um, but at the crown, it was it was something different. You know, uh, that first series we went out and we had to we had to use the gun, and like I said, uh, she was a little squirrely, so. When I got up there and used that gun and they threw another quadruple, um, she was a little all over the place. So, um, you know, that kind of translates, her body language kind of translates over to mine. So I was nervous. I was also a little squirrely. But uh, but then, like I said, after that, after that first series, um, you know, I went and I watched Clark and uh, watched all those other guys, Steven and Lyle and um, Lee Howard and all those guys, and they're just so methodical about how they handle and how they sit at the line. And, you know, that translates so much, that body language translates so much into how your dog, how your dog acts as well. So, um, just following that, you know, that, uh, that really helped us. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and I imagine you're using, you know, that experience this year as you continue to compete. I understand that you're actually hosting an SRS club event uh, in July in Lincoln, yeah. Nebraska. Tell us about that. It's going to be part of the Cornhusker State Games. What are those, and and how does this uh, fit into that? Yeah, so the Cornhusker State Games is an ongoing tradition in Nebraska for a long time, way before my time, um, probably way before any of our time. Um, but essentially, it's um, it's a series of several different sports and activities that go on throughout the summer um, in in and around um, Nebraska. Um, and it's anything from disc golf to hockey to basketball to um, anything. But I knew that, you know, there's never been 
sport with any sort of animal within the Cornhusker State Games. And um, any animal sport I've always been pretty infatuated by. So I figured, hey, it'd be pretty sweet if, you know, the Super Retriever Series ever, you know, was in the Cornhusker State Games. I didn't think it was a reality by any means. Um, and I had just kind of brought it up to Shannon and, you know, how Shannon is, she just jumps on those ideas. She loves it. And so she's like, let's make it happen. I'm like, awesome. You know, I got, I got the grounds we can run on and, um, you know, I, we can make this happen. So lucky enough, we, um, we got it secured and, um, uh, they're extremely happy to have us. We, we really want to grow it over the years. Uh, or over the next coming years, you know, the UKC is starting to do a lot more with involving the youth into different types of dog sports. So we're hoping that um, maybe in 2021 and 2022, we can um, not just have the Super Retriever Series and the Dock Jump, but uh, we really like to make it a classic event with a ton of the UKC's new sports that, you know, really anybody can compete in. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a, a great opportunity. And as you said, hopefully it continues to grow and continues to be a, a big part of the Cornhusker State Games. Um, last year, you when you competed at the Super Retriever uh, University Games, you were a student at University of Nebraska. Uh, what are you doing these days as a day job? Yeah, so um, I actually sell commercial real estate. Um, my grandfather and my father were also in the in the industry, so here in Omaha. So. Um, you know, I had a lot of running connections. Um, just a really good idea for me to get into the industry. And I've always been infatuated by sales. So um, just a ton of fun. And I love it. And I get to hang out with my dad and my grandpa pretty much every day. So um, and we even on, even on the job, we still talk about dogs. So um, it's uh, that's what I'm doing now. But yeah, I just graduated in August. So um, well, congrats on that. And it sounds like you got a great career. Uh, how are you finding, uh, as you're adjusting to the, to the real world after college, how are you finding time to train? Are you training before work? Are you training during lunch? Are you training after work or kind of a combination of all of that? Yeah. So especially, you know, right now with the work from home stuff, um, you know, our business is taking a little bit of a hit. So, um, you know, dad and I are still busting it every single day, trying to get as much done as we can, um, uh, you know, working seven to five every day. But as soon as, as soon as that four or five o'clock hits, we're uh, we're out the door, and him and I head down to um, our training grounds, and we train pretty much all night. Um, get home and make dinner, go to bed, and repeat the same thing the next day. But we don't miss a day. We train. We still train every single day. And he's got a little yellow dog, and I've got Sheba, and then I got another little black dog named Rip. So, um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Keeps us busy. Yeah, man. Sounds like you, uh, like you said, you stay busy, but, uh, living the dream there. Got you a nice job, a nice relationship there with your dad and, uh, you know, getting to train a little bit with your dogs before we let you go though. Uh, we always kind of wrap up these, uh, podcasts with a final, uh, five questions. It's kind of a rapid fire, ask a question real quick, and then just whatever comes to your mind first to give us a response there. And, uh, then we'll let you get back to it, man. So, uh, question number one, what's something about Cole Scott that most people don't know? Oh, um, it was probably that I'm uh, allergic to dogs, but still love the dog game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one that I don't think we're going to get from anybody else uh, that competes <laughs> yeah. in this game. So that's a that's a good one. And when I see you 
this year at the crown, I'll be like, okay, that guy is surrounded by a hundred dogs and he's allergic <laughs> to all of them, but he's, he's glad to be here. Yes, sir. When I say, re- when I say re- uh, retriever trials, who's the first dog that comes to mind, yours or someone else's? Uh, Lyle's dog or old dog, Indy. Um, just, I think one of the most underrated dogs of all time. Um, and when I first started training with Lyle, he let me run Indy and that's a, that's a different kind of horsepower. You don't realize how much power those dogs have. If, uh, so it's kind of two part question here. I'll, I'll ask you the same question about Indy and also about Sheba. So if Indy or Sheba was a human athlete, what sport would he or she play and why? Um, if Sheba was an athlete, she'd probably be a track athlete. That dog could run 42 marathons and not be tired. Indy, I, I would say that she'd be a linebacker. Um, just that one or two times that I got to handle her training with Lyle, um, you know, she, you just don't realize how much power in all of Lyle's dogs. You don't realize how much power those dogs have going off the line and, you know, how much go they have. Um, it's, it was a blessing getting to run any of those dogs. Oh, I'm sure. And a, and a once in a lifetime opportunity that I'm sure you'll cherish. Question four out of five. If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Um, driven um you know just going to work all day you know busting my butt at work and then coming home and you know just still wanting to train and come home and cook dinner for my girlfriend and hang out with her all night and then go back to bed and do the same thing you know seven days in a row is um i just it's like i never get tired i just want to keep going so awesome Final question for you. This one right here sometimes is uh, more uh, applicable with people who've maybe been in the professional workplace a little bit longer. You, uh, as you said, graduated in August. Uh, looks like you're you're new at the at the commercial real estate space, but I know it's uh, been in your family for a few years. But what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Probably professional golfer. I uh, I golfed in high school and um, kind of wanted to play in college, but then I wanted to stay closer to home. Uh, but I still play quite a bit, so probably professional golfer. Awesome. Cool. That's good to know. So uh, Cole Scott, a guy who uh, likes to play golf. He uh, is in the commercial real estate game. He's uh, been around dogs his whole life, even though he's allergic to them. And uh, he is a guy to definitely keep an eye on here in the Super Retriever Series game. So Cole, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate having you on as a guest and i know our listeners will as well especially some of the younger competitors who may also want to follow in your footsteps and kind of start out at the srsu and then climb their way up to uh, competing with the amateurs and pros so really appreciate your time today david i appreciate you guys having me on absolutely thanks a lot cole and uh once again uh if you want to know anything else about the super retriever series just head on over to superretrieverseries.com or any of our social media handles There you can find out more details about the SRSU event coming up as well as all the other club and classic events we have scheduled for the rest of the year. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.